And here we go, folks. Welcome to Inside Middle Tennessee. We're getting ready to kick off Mule Day week. And by golly, by next Friday, this place is going to be rocking and rolling. Yes, it will. I saw a long-term weather forecast. They said next Saturday the high was going to be 68 and sunny degrees. That's I'm sorry, 68 degrees and sunny. How about that? And then on Sunday it's going to be it's going to be 70. So ought to be a good weekend. So anyway, we got a few guests with us today. We got the double E's are back with us. Eddie Allred, Eddie Abels. You know, going to do a little auctioneering. You know, I ought to get them to introduce our bridle and saddle club here by doing it by by bidding on on something. <laughs> you know, so we got Harvey uh, Span with us. Harvey Span, represent the bridle and saddle club. We're glad that you're with us. Thank you. And uh, I know you're going to want to talk a little bit, want to promote a few things, and uh, the floor is yours. Well, I'll respond to questions better than just a lecture. But uh, <laughs> we're actually in the preparation mode right now. We're trying to get things in, in uh, ready for all of our visitors. Uh, the city is behind us all the way, as far as I can tell, and, and we want to represent the city the best way we can. When do y'all really start? I mean, as far as I mean, pretty intense. I know you start as soon as the, as soon as the last one's over with, but exactly, it's like raising tobacco. It's a thirteen oh. month a year job. <laughs> <laughs> the double E's over there, both of them shaking their heads. Somebody's been in. Somebody's uh, been in tobacco we're, patch. We're working on the next year already. Uh, we've got plans for next year. I won't divulge those ideas just yet, but uh, we we do work year round and. Uh, some more than others, but it's a it's a you have to be a dedicated person to to be a mule day person. A collaborative effort. Collaborative effort. One person couldn't do, but nobody can do it by themselves. It's a group of people that work together for. Well, Harvey, how many people are involved with bridle and saddle in planning this and doing it? We have thirty directors and assistant wow. directors uh, wow. just in the mule day committee. The Mule Day Committee is just a committee of the Murray County Bridal and Saddle Club. Okay. So, but we have 30 directors that have different areas of of expertise and things that they do. For instance, we have a bluegrass festival or a show, and we have arts and crafts. We have camping, and we have the mule pull, the mule shows, four mule shows, and we have a director for each one of them. So they they have their own set of rules and regulations within what they do. Do you have a uh, a director for auctioneers that can throw these two yahoos out uh, right here? I'm not aware of it if we do, but we, <laughs> if it become necessary, we could elect one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're right now in, in full full-blown preparation mode, so that's where we are, and we'll be that until... Until it's over. I mean, you're preparing all the time, and you ask when did it start. It actually, the festival itself starts on Thursday the 30th of March and goes through the 2nd of April. But we actually have a mule train that is leaving Mount Pleasant on Monday. So okay. that's also a big part of Mule Day, and it has been for a lot of years. How long do they, do they quote, travel? A uh, day or about two? a 20 mile each day. They they camp in one area and then move out from that area and travel the back roads and so forth for about 20 miles a day and then come back to that camp and camp. On Wednesday, they'll leave that camp and come all the way to Columbia. Okay. About, about three, they try to schedule it so that they're getting to Murray County Park just a little bit after school lets out. Okay. <laughs> because you have to coordinate everything since we're neighbors with the school and and. Fortunately, we've been able to coordinate Mule Day with the school board for a long time and so that we don't get in each other's way. Well, I was going to say, at this point in the game, I hope you all all know each other pretty well. Well, they keep changing leaders, and we do too, so that makes it, <laughs> that makes it difficult. <laughs> so you have to re-familiarize re yourself with people all the time, and that's, that's necessary in just about everything you do. I was going to say, you know. That's, that's not too unusual. No. So, all right, so now you say that it kicks off on Thursday. What what event is on Thursday? On Thursday we have a riding mule show uh, in the arena. We have a log loading contest. 
different things that well, a lot of people ask us why we do the same thing every year. And the fact is that we do everything every year because we try to keep it nostalgic and and represent what was Mule Day in 1934, which that was the year it started. So if you go changing it a lot, we'll be just like anybody else's festival. So we keep our Mule shows in place, and and that's the big events at Mule Day are the Mule shows. Do y'all ever keep track of where people come from? We have in the past. We've had a registry in our office and ask people to put put down their name and address from where they're from. And we've had uh, several times we've had people from foreign countries come, England, for example. Canada is normal. Uh, we get people from Canada just about every year. Uh, of course, the surrounding states are the, the main people that come. And we have, have people from, well, Alabama, for instance, uh, that have been coming 30 years, have the same campsite. You know they know everything. They know as much about Mule as we do. That's because it's nothing to do in Alabama. So well, that may be. <laughs> but now, now, at least they're still playing basketball. Yeah. If you're yeah. if you're familiar with the good old boy term, we we have a lot of good old boys come here from Alabama, and they're good people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but with the main thing that we do is visit, get together, talk. You know and. Those of us that own mules, uh, you know, we talk about our mules and brag on them, whether they're good or not, and so forth. All right, now that, that raises the question, do you have any mules? Harvey? I have four mules. You have Two four. teams. Okay, matched pair? Uh, one black pair with a white nose. They call it they call it chrome on a mule. You okay. know, if he has a white nose and white underbelly, he's a, he's got chrome on him. And then I have a gray pair also. Okay, and I'll... They don't eat much, do they? Uh, they eat every day, whether they need it or not. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're all they're all uh, well. Some people call it fat. Uh, they're, they're all they're healthy. Them, they're healthy, but uh, you know they they're beggars also. Once you kind of like the goats, you know they become real familiar with you, and yeah. and uh, every time they see you out, they'll they'll let you know they're there. Just hopefully you'll come by and give them a little something. And yeah. my you just need to get you a couple of mules that are that are uh, from the Belgians or the Persians. And my black pair are from the Belgians. Okay, they must be big. Yeah, well, they're fifteen two and fifteen one hands. Wow, big. a hand is four inches. Okay, so that's just a term that the old timers started years ago. We still use it. So, what do they weigh? Uh, probably one of my black mule weighs probably thirteen hundred pounds, and the other one weighs eleven. Woo. My gray mules weigh about a thousand pounds each. Well, by golly, I tell you what, I bet uh, I bet they could uh, move you if they wanted to. They could, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but now mules have their own sense of. <laughs> well, I'm looking for a term here. They, they <laughs> they're, have they're different. They're different from a horse in the fact that they watch and they look and they learn a lot quicker than horses do. Now horses seem to be easier to manage and everything, but now mule. In my opinion, is smarter. Okay. Don't you uh, think they have this self-preservation built in? <laughs> I think they might. Yeah, that's why they can use them for pack mules in the Grand Canyon. Exactly. I wrote an article a few years back, and I said in my article, I said everybody thinks mules are dumb, but they're usually smarter than the people that are using them. <laughs> 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 so it's uh, you. They are a smart animal. They pay attention. Uh, they will learn things a lot faster than a horse where you have to replicate the things that you want them to do just less times than you would a horse to get him to understand what you but want. But they're also to do. a lot more independent than a horse too though. They can they? be. You know. <laughs> they can be. <laughs> you say, you're saying that kind of like you learn that the hard way once <laughs> or twice. Well, there's there's some mules out there that are a little more can, resistant to to human exposure being exposed to humans they prefer being they're a herd animal and they like being off with other animals of their kind yeah so but now they'll get used to humans and learn to depend on them so. all right so that's now you said thursday there were some things going on what about friday and then saturday we got the parade there's there's new shows going on all day friday uh, uh one of the uh, the main show that goes on friday is the gated mule show of course we're, we're right in the middle of gated equine country yeah, here. And so there's a lot of 
there's a lot of gated mules come to the mule. So we started that show about 15 years ago, the gated mule show. It was never part of the show, but it has become one of the most popular shows we have. There's a lot of people ride the gated animals simply because they're a little bit more comfortable. So that's we like that show, and everybody else seems to get along with it. Too. All right, what, what all is going on on Saturday other than just the parade? Uh, the mule pulling starts about 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay. The reason that starts That's the same time the parade starts. It is. Uh, it starts at the park at the same time. But the reason why it starts is it actually takes so long to put it on. We don't want it to go up into late hours in the yeah. night. So yeah. it starts about 11, and then, but it's ongoing all day. So, I mean, people come to it and watch it for an hour or so and then go do something else and then come back. And, you know, it's going on all the time. And, and it, uh, they do it in classes according to weight. So the, the larger animals, just, I believe this year they're starting the large animals first. And then, as, in other words, if you've got a team that weighs uh, 2,500 pounds, and they will compete against other mules that are of the same weight category. And then on down to the miniature mules, which are some of them only weigh a couple hundred pounds. Yeah. You know, they're little guys. And the one other show we have is a mini mule show. Okay. Uh, and that that features all the little little animals, and that has become real popular, especially among women, because they can handle them, and they get along with them, and they come to become their little goats. They really, they get attached to their owners, and well, if a little if a little mule comes out of a Shetland pony, I I would question whether or not you could get along with one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, Shetland pony was a was a real sturdy little animal and uh and he produced a lot of little mules but now they breed they breed them out of all kinds of little small animals it would be hard right now to find a shetland pony uh they're just they're almost non-existent anymore there's there's places that do raise them but they're just a few places well, where i know a lot of people in the equine world would say good riddance <laughs> well <laughs> it, it, it may be but the shetland pony was a everybody calls a little little horse or little pony of Shetland pony, which, you know, yeah. they're actually a breed of their own. Yeah. And so, but they were raised, uh, oh, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, they were popular all over the country. All right, well, I know we conclude things on Sunday, so what goes on on Sunday? Well, first thing goes on, we have church about 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and then at noon, we have a... Mule show, we call it a Western Mule show, and it has Jim Connie events, which are are uh, events for races, uh, agility, things of that nature for the for the mule. And it's more a fun show, yeah. uh, because it uh, a lot of times we have wrecks, and that's of course <laughs> I've never understood it, but people go to rodeos and such to see wrecks yeah. and races to see wrecks. Try NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that's a real fun show. And then also, every day starting Thursday, we have the arts and crafts. Uh, we have a lot of commercial events, and we have the food booths. And our arts and crafts and flea market is probably, I'm going to say it's one of the biggest ones in the state or in the country. Because yeah. we have, we're full every year and have more people wanting to get in. We're only hampered by the fact that we have fences around us. You know, we can't expand. So that's, uh, but we do have a lot of entertainment for the kids too, uh, bounce houses and things of that nature for the children. So we've tried to build everything in to Mule Day that will fancy everybody's ideas of what's fun. You know, they can come bring kids out there and have a good time. They can bring your grandfather out there and have a good time. Uh, it's just all, a, it's made to entertain everybody. Well, it's a great event. It puts us on the map, and you know, and we're lucky to have it, and thankful that the Bridal and Saddle Club puts it on. Folks, we're up against a break. Sheila, who never thought all we had to do with Harvey was just turn him on and just Let's let him go. There you go. He's got yeah, the for, knowledge up there. I was going to say, for a guy that didn't think he's going to talk much, just want to answer questions. He, you well, know. I'll respond to questions too. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. You you. you Definitely, definitely know your business, and I'm always glad to have you all on. Do you remember Harv Mason? Are you on air? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Do you know Harv Mason? Did I do you? not. 
he was a WMCP uh, disc jockey back in uh, 1972, three, one in that area, and he was he and I uh, were helped. We helped with bringing Mule Day, Mule Day back to Columbia, Tennessee. Yeah, I remember when it came back. Yeah, it was '74. You know. uh, so, what? but, but I, he was he was real instrumental in helping with it, and all of our all of our Mule Day partners, as we call them. Uh, we have thousands of them all over the, especially in Columbia, Tennessee, and in Murray County. We have a lot of partners that help us do Mule Day. No oh, good. We could not do it without them. No. There's absolutely no way. I get so, it. I get it. We thank them. And thank you for coming in. And, folks, we need to take a break. We'll be right back with Inside Middle Tennessee. One of our objectives at Caledonian Financial is to impact our clients and friends in a positive manner. Whether it's a friendly voice, a smile and a wave as you walk past our office, or supporting our community, the Caledonian team is actively involved through our memberships in Kiwanis, Rotary, Murray Alliance Circle of Excellence, volunteering in Boy Scouts and 4-H, serving on a variety of boards and more. We stay connected to Murray County. This is Daisy Cook with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member of FINRA and SIPC. This is Jumpin' Joe Wiley, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Three, two, one. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at GarbageManInc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. This is Sarah Elizabeth, and you're listening to Inside Middle Tennessee on Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM. Aren't you glad you learned to type? <laughs> Mrs. Heath. And we're back with Inside Mrs. Middle Layton. Tennessee. 
and, thought that was going to happen. And lots of banner that's going on <laughs> all around. She was, uh, Miss Hickman was, I was, I'm working while I'm sitting here typing on my, on my laptop, on my iPad. And she's like, didn't you, didn't you, isn't nice you know how to type? And I said, Mrs. Hebe. And she said. Miss Nighty Lyad. But the difference is I had no choice is because Mrs. Hebe was the wife of head football coach Don Hebe. <laughs> And so you better get a straight A in that course. <laughs> you better get a straight A in Sheila's yeah, class, which you better do. I think, if I remember, I think when I graduated high school, I was typing at like 55 words a minute or something. Oh, yeah. It's not bad. It, well, and on a manual typewriter. We had a manual. I bet yeah. you had a letter. No, but... we had the one we had to press them. Well, that's good for you. Yeah. Yeah, you had to press them down. I tell you what, we still got other guests in here, and we got the double E's in here with the auctioneers contest. Eddie Abel's Eddie Allred. Y'all take her away. Kick it off. All right. Uh, Thank you, Jim. Uh, Friday, March 31st at the Tennessee Livestock Producers United Producers Sale Barn on Industrial Park Road will be the 12th annual Mule Day Auctioneer Championship uh, we'll get started around uh, 10.30 or 11 o'clock that Friday morning. Good. We've got uh, 32 auctioneers coming in from five different states. Uh, if you'd like to hear a good auctioneer, that'd be the place to be next Friday morning. I thought we had some good auctioneers in here we could listen well, to. Well, you need you to do. come out next Friday morning. and <laughs> we can't. I can't compete with them. Eddie can, but I can't compete with them. Uh, one other thing, Jim, before we get started. Mr. Harv with Bridling Saddle. Uh, the Columbia Breakfast Rotary Club puts on the auctioneer uh, championship, and we've had a great relationship over the 12 years with Murray County Bridle and Saddle. <clears throat> and we started about four or five years ago of selling the Mule Day knives for charities, number one through number 10, and we will do that again uh, at the auctioneer championship, and we will start that. Uh, auction at uh, around 11 o'clock Friday morning. That's number Mule Day Knife number 1 through 10. Each one is designated to a charity and all the money for that particular number knife will go to that charity. Eddie, y'all do this this every year and, and those things are collector's items and there are people who collect those knives like crazy. What have some of them gone for in the past? Do you recall? Uh, number, I think it's number eight, has gone as high as $525. Wow. 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 That's, so, pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, we want you to come out. It's a live auction, uh, even the auctioneer championship. Each auctioneer brings three items uh, to sell. It's a live auction. You come, you bid, and they bring some really unique items. And then um, we take the top 10 auctioneers from the uh, first round, and those auctioneers come back, and we've partnered with the American Legion post-19, and they furnish the items that the top 10 auctioneers will uh, uh, sell in the final round. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, folks, it's a lot of fun. If you've ever been to to an auction like this, I mean, and like you said, there's some real talent that's coming in. So remind us of where where some of these folks are coming from. Uh, We've had them come in from Pennsylvania, uh, Arizona, Colorado, Ohio, um, and of course, of course, surrounding states, Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia and Mississippi, they come from there. But uh, the furthest away, I guess, would be we had one registered one year from Canada, but he backed out on us and didn't make it. So, well, you've got some uh, title holders of other prestigious auctions too coming in. We do. We've been very fortunate. Uh, Chuck Bradley, who was our 2019 champion, went on in 2021 was named uh, Grand Champion of the World Livestock Auctioneer, which to me is the granddaddy. It's a championship that started back in 1962. Uh, Jacob Massey, who was our 2013 champion, has had multiple regional livestock championships. Uh, Trey Morris, who was our 2014 champion, has also claimed uh, the IAF champion that's international auctioneer championship uh so our list of champions 
uh, you can put up against uh, anybody. anybody. So yeah. we're very, very uh, proud of our champions. And uh, uh, the Battle of the Bluegrass, hosted by the Kentucky Auctioneers Association last year, uh, David Whitaker, our 2015 uh, champion, was grand champion of the Battle of the Bluegrass, and Joshua Houston, our 2022 champion, was reserve champion. So uh, we're very proud of it. And, Jim, I want to say that the money that we raised during this championship, this contest, goes to our scholarship program, the Columbia Breakfast Rotary Scholarship Program. And you all raised a lot of money over the mm-hmm. years. Uh, you what? We, we've given uh, out uh, to Murray County students over $70,000 in scholarships toward their college education. Wow. And they, they do allow children who are students who have gotten for the freshman year the scholarship, they may reapply so that they, they have had more than one go all the way through college with assistance from the Rotary Auction. This year we'll have our, uh, we'll have, we'll have our third student who uh, got the freshman scholarship and then they got it again as sophomore, junior, and senior. Got it. That's cool. Yep. All right, sum it up. When and where? Friday, March 31st at the T- uh, TLP United Producers Sale Barn on Industrial Park Road, the 2023 Mule Day Auctioneer Championship hosted by the Columbia Breakfast Rotary Club. Uh, we'll get started. I'd say you need to get there by around 10 o'clock or so to get a seat. We usually fill the sale barn up. Remind people the price of admission. Free. There you go. <laughs> Parking is free. Everybody free likes parking. free. Yeah. Buying is not. Buying, Buying is, not. is not. Bring your checkbook. Yeah. Your Come, credit card. Bid high and bid off. There you kids, go. We'd rather take you bid twice as miss you once. <laughs> a good motto. Well, folks, thank you very much. I tell you what, Sheila, you got a little a little something on history? Well, I do. I, I was so encouraged by the, the uh, action of our uh representative and his influence to help save the Duck River, that I look back in in the century view and I look back in Judge Turner's history of Murray County to see some interesting things about the Duck River. In 1820, Columbia, since it was centrally located, was aspiring to be the state capital. So we thought we better do something to make us look good on the map. So a stock company was formed in 1820 to build a highway from the Tennessee from here to the Tennessee River so that we could operate a boat going to New Orleans. And the investors got real busy, and, and the history actually records these people. They're about a dozen, I'd say. They had a boat built in Pittsburgh for $40,000. And I think this was 1820. For King's Ransom back 1820. then. 1820. Somebody around here had a lot of money. Yeah. And it <laughs> ran on the river for two seasons, and they couldn't make any money. And alas, they sold their boat for $9,000. <laughs> I guess they counted that off on their income tax. <laughs> No, we didn't have an income tax. That's wrong. All right, now which highway got got built to run over to Clifton? To Clifton. Okay, mm-hmm. that's sixty four, right? Well, I guess I don't know the numbers. Yeah. I just know where they go. <laughs> I don't bother much. With you know, that's the only thing that really matters, Sheila. If you get well, right people, down to it, people will stop and say, "Is this highway?" So I said, "I don't know where you're trying to go." And yep. I'll, I can tell you how to get there. <laughs> but they really went in the hole there. I don't know how much they made during those two years, but to, to spend 40 and and get out of it for nine, that's not very good math. Oh, and in 1848, and that we've talked about this around here before, a company was formed for slack water navigation. And, and after a survey, two dams were built. And the engineer made a miscalculation and left off one half of the of the elevation, and it was such a mess they just gave up. They just gave up. Now this is in a in somewhere along in that I've got haven't got my date here. Somewhere along here, a small boat, the Lunette, made the trip during high water. 
and that's the only one that we know of for sure. <laughs> and and this is not in chronological order, and I apologize for that. That that Slack River Navigation Company sold five hundred thousand dollars worth of stock. And, and again, eighteen forty. Yeah. Five hundred thousand dollars. This was not a poverty-stricken area. No. Some folks had come here with a lot of money, and they had made a lot of money. Then in 1844, another group tried it again. And this time, they raised $200,000, and they decided what we need were some locks and some dams to help. This ties in with that last thing where the engineer miscalculated, and so it didn't work up very well. I will tell you that the first steamboat reached Nashville in 1819. I remember we are 1807, so the first steamboat reached Nashville in 1819. There was an incident that in 1839 that a steamboat did reach Columbia, and a man on horseback rode along the edge to aid the pilot. Imagine that. (laughs) I wouldn't think the Duck River would be... Wide enough. For I wouldn't think boat. it'd be wide enough either, but it must have been very small. And they do say that in the 1840s or thereabouts, there was a pleasure boat you could get on the Duck River and ride. And once again, it must have been when there was a lot of water because if you go across the bridge and you look, sometimes you could barely get your ankles wet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but we have, and I, another, I'm going to look this up and I started on, but I ran out of time. We have had many floods. The Duck River does flood. We all know that. Oh, yeah. The, wor- the first one that we have recorded was in 1811. Now, Columbia was 18, or Murray County was 1807. So that, that could have been very detrimental to the early settlers here, especially since they settled down there close to the river. The rivers, down Riverside. The rivers and the streams were our highways. Yeah. And so they settled, they came here, and, and they had to have a source of water, and that, that was one of the places that they were likely to settle. I think Bob Duncan used to say right down there below the archives was a likely place where first folk, first of some of the first settlers landed because that was they got there and they said, let's quit here, <laughs> let's stop here. But we know that uh, periodically the Duck River does flood, but And we do know that we are thankful that our legislature is moving toward preserving this. And we keep saying it's not just for us, it's for everybody who comes after us. And we do have an obligation to take care of things for the people who come after us. And when I was watching that all that on television, and I heard that lawyer from the other side present his case, I think he had an entirely different viewpoint. He did not understand how important it is to this community to have that source of water. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And I do think, I think of this all the time. I had a philosophy course which absolutely kept me in. I don't know that I ever learned anything except this. John Stuart Mill said, let us do the greatest good for the greatest number of people. Which is the way it should be Absolutely. done. Absolutely. We're going to do some great good for this radio station, and we're going to have a break, and we'll be right back with Inside Middle Tennessee. Let's face it, the world is constantly changing, and it is now more important than ever to take care of those who you trust with your business every day. Large and even international competition has made it increasingly difficult to keep your best talent. With Caledonian Financial's local business plan to help, you can give your employees a business package that is competitive and effective for everyone. I'm Thomas Sneed with Caledonian Financial here in downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. 
I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled. But then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the -the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. You're listening to the best in news, talk, sports, and music on WKOM 101.7 FM in Columbia, Tennessee. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. And we're back with Inside Middle Tennessee. You know, I didn't get a chance to introduce our regular group here that is normally here. Uh, I'm Jim Ross. We've got Terry Wilcox on the board, Representative Scott Sapicki, fresh from the state legislature. <laughs> good, good morning, everybody. <laughs> and Sheila, fresh from the farm. Absolutely. You know, Eight miles from the courthouse. Proud of it, too, by <laughs> God. Right. So, Scott, is there anything going on at all in the state right now? I mean, it's kind of boring up there, isn't it? It's just sitting there. So, um, good news. Let's start with some some financially good news for the county. Um, In this year's budget for TDOT, uh, we're spending over $3 billion uh, state state funds into three grand divisions that are going to be run by TDOT. Uh, Highway improvement, roads improvement, new bridges on our state highways that we, we manage. But we also put $300 million into the, into the budget for locals, too. So there's money going to be coming down to every county to help them with their infrastructure. So uh, Van Boshier is our local superintendent. He was going to get an, an influx of money coming in from the state to help us with our bridges and stuff like that. Murray County we're, is going to receive $4,139,000 from the state. Of that four hundred one hundred thirty nine thousand, only eighty two thousand is a match from the locals. Oh, Scott, that's good. curiosity question: We we've talked about in the past the Bear Creek interchange. I, I'm curious. Do you well, know that, how that, that's being done? Yeah, that's oh, being yeah, okay. done. Okay, it's being right. done, and they're, and they're doing a good job ahead so of schedule. Far, and we're ahead of schedule. I, I'm I'm curious about how much does that is that project going to run, and how much of that is funded by the feds and how much of it is funded by the state? Roughly about this uh, $60 million project, uh, most of that, uh, I shouldn't say most of that money, probably uh, 60 40, uh, 60, 40, 60% feds, 40, 40% state. And the reason why is when they have those big, big projects like that, they will allocate more federal projects there, which gives more, because you're kind of restricted to those interstates. On, yeah. on federal money. Yeah, oh, sure. So let's put the federal money to work on, on the interstate projects, and then therefore we can start to give more state money out locally. Come out to Carter's Creek right. Park. Yeah, and so that's, that's, the, that's the challenge that we face all the time is let's maximize our federal dollars on the federal interstates 
and let's not put so much state money in there, which ties it up, that we can't use it for other state projects that we need to do. Yeah. So that that's the balance there. Um, so that's the good news there. And uh, and some other counties, Giles County is going to get three point two million. Lawrence County will get three point four. Lewis County uh, two point four million. Uh, Marshall County two point eight. Williamson five point eight. Will I mean so we're getting because of our growth, we're getting the yeoman a uh, yeoman share right now. Now, do we compare with Nashville? No, they're getting eleven million dollars. Yeah, but <laughs> like their infrastructure—I mean, their infrastructure costs are off the roof, so, uh, mm-hmm. out of sight. So, uh, other good news: yes, the uh, Duck River Bill has finally made it out of the agricultural. And, I, and I'm not making this up; it has finally made it out of the Agricultural and Natural Resources Committee. Finally, a bill that I thought was nothing—a a, no-brainer—because it's a local issue, right? Yep. We never never stick our noses in local business in the general assembly if tipton county comes with something for tipton county it's a formality we vote for it it doesn't affect me it's local issue you guys handle it right you guys want it you guys can have that's right that's the nice thing to do it's just the way we do it up there honorable and for some reason this thing has evolved into the the bill of the general assembly so far it has drawn national attention it is a fight of, like Ms. Hickman said, the rights of people to have clean water, the rights of people to have a river that is the most biodiverse one in the United States, fourth in the world, maintained and protected, the rights of businesses to have access to clean water so that they can flourish, right? Access to clean water for recreational mm-hmm. opportunities, right? One of the things our, our, our kids are not doing right now is going outside anymore. No. They don't go outside anymore. They don't play outside anymore. Now, I know there's issues with safety, but we, our kids don't go outside and play kickball in the streets anymore. They don't do it anymore. Well, right? it's, it's, hard, it's hard to do it when you're on your Well, thumb. I mean, when your, thumb, when your thumbs are the <laughs> size thumbs. of gorillas because yeah. they've been exercised Their thumbs are greatly developed. But, but, uh, but, but I will tell you now, because uh, I've noticed it, if, if you look at the Duck River when it gets warm, you look at the Duck River on the weekends, there lots of, there's lots kayakers of all over the place. Yeah. Over 200,000 people every year. Over 200,000 people every year enjoy the Duck River. So we thought this was a nothing issue. Because we already put an overlay in place when I was on the county commission in 2013 to protect the Duck River from a landfill. And all we're doing is saying, hey, state, you too have a vested interest in protecting the great, one could argue, the greatest natural resource in the country that is the most biodiverse river in the country. And by the way, the biggest concentration of biodiversity runs through Murray County. Oh, you would well, think it's a no-brainer. Right through the middle of Murray County, and, in the middle yeah. of Columbia, Tennessee, too. And, and the thing that's a shame, and if you were up there, you'll know what I'm talking about. You saw the will of the people trying to be obstructed by politics. Special interest. It was very sad to watch that. And you know, when Miss Hickman said the other attorney got up there, that other attorney did his job. His job is he knows that's he was it. losing, and he had to cast doubt. Yeah. That was his job, was to just throw everything out there against the wall, see what sticks, and try to pull votes away. And we lost two votes. Uh, Representative Holsey told me, he said, I was all for you guys. And then I got confused when this attorney got up there, and I said, well, that, that was his job. That was it, and he was, was very well-spoken, yes. and he made a good case yeah, for he, his viewpoint. He is the most expensive attorney in Nashville. That's who his I company hired. I figured that. Well, I got a uh, got but, another. But, but the issue is, it has nothing to do with property rights. It has to do with does the state have a vested interest in protecting the most biodiverse river yeah. in the country for recreation, for environmental reasons, and protect the water source of our intake going in down at Williamsport to make sure that Southern Middle Tennessee can continue to grow and prosper with clean water. All right, question I got. Yes. This this bill uh, is. Only for Murray County. Correct. The issues that I'm seeing are future issues I'm seeing. We've got Hickman County where it runs through yes. below us, but we got Bedford County that's, right above us, which I, right. that could be where Duck River originates. And if they go, if a landfill goes in up there, and that, 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 could, that could mess it up for us down here. And yes. we hope, we hope that the actions that we're taking, and, and we, now we're not there yet, we're close. Now, the Senate passed this on consent calendar, 33-0. They never asked a question. Isn't that, isn't because, that interesting? Because it's a courtesy. Yeah. It's a courtesy, right? 
And for some reason, this bill and, and a couple members of this committee, and, right. and I'm not going to call them out. Everybody knows. Go watch the video. Were taking it that they were trying to overturn the wishes of a, on a local issue yeah. that has nothing to do with them. One of them was from Jackson. One of them was from uh, O'Brien County, and one of them was from East Tennessee. No dog in the hunt, zero. Yeah. And the thing is, there was a lot of in a, inconsistencies in the way that that meeting was run in the back in, in the end of it, where the chairman of that committee took six votes to try to kill our bill, and I had to use every bit of rules knowledge I had. Well, I, I'm interested in that. When you tried to get him to withdraw yes. his motion, the chairman wouldn't even entertain it. He wouldn't that. entertain it. And, and I know I'm getting the weeds here. but So next week at 1.30, uh, Monday, we can't let up Murray, Murray County because I don't, I don't have a lot of faith right now in the process. I think we could still get sideways on this thing. We're in government operations. Government operations cannot kill the bill, but they could refer it back to agriculture. Oh, dear. Now, I've already, we've already been working the members. I believe we're going to be fine. We've got the same people signed up to testify right now. As of, as of now, the opposition has not signed up to speak, which is good. Maybe they're saying, you know what, we're done. We're just going to take it to court. The more we argue, the more we're losing. Yeah. Right? Oh, well, I figured he was and already so, on the way to the courthouse. And, and so we hope <laughs> we hope that it's a formality going through GovOps uh, on Monday. If it passes GovOps on Monday, it'll wind up at uh, uh, calendar and rules on Thursday. And a week from this Monday, if everything goes smooth, <laughs> it should be on the House vote for a final House floor for a final vote. I'm going to urge the the calendar and rules chairman to put it on consent, like the Senate did. Mm-hmm. Now the chairman of the agricultural committee can bump it and make me debate the issue on the floor. If that happens, then we would roll till Thursday. I don't think he really wants to do that. Well, um, you know, all this stuff can kind of come back to bite you, can yeah, it not? People, might, people know. For him. The, the members, I have, over the last five years, I have built a solid reputation up there as be careful challenging me to a debate on the floor. Be careful. <laughs> because I'll make you look bad. Because right because I'm prepared, yeah, and I know I know my stuff, and I'm gonna I, and pl- plus on this one, you're gonna bring out all my passion, <laughs> right, <laughs> and my ire too, yeah, and I will reference this because well anyway, so the other bill um, we had an issue with was the taxpayer protection bill, yeah, failed uh, and it failed five three, uh, we had two members of the committee who made a promise to us walking in there, they changed their vote, and we went and we failed five to three. Now it's not done. We are working hard. I'm working with some of the other members to see if we can get somewhere from Murray County and maybe get them to reconsider their actions next week and revive this bill. I'm not giving up yet. I think there's still a glimmer of hope on this, but um, the builders and the realtors are wielding a big stick in that committee right now, and until we can figure out a way to grab their attention to where the builders and realtors want to fix this issue, yeah, we've got to figure out a way to engage them that now they realize, okay, we've got an issue here that's affecting us. We have to go fix it. And that's when that bill will pass. We're not there yet, but we're getting closer because people are getting angrier and angrier all the time. Um, I know we're up against the time here. Um, That's all right. We've got five minutes. The the retention bill that I'm carrying for the chairman of education, that bill did move forward with some adjustments to the third grade retention bill. It's more of an intervention bill. As I look at the bill that, that, well, they, that we've written. Well, if they named it that, we might be in better shape. Right. I think it, this whole bill has to do with making sure the kids get the proper supports and interventions to help them get caught up if they're behind. Mm-hmm. And make a decision that if they are behind. And this is what we're, you know, the bill I had on retaining in kindergarten and first grade, it didn't have the votes. Yeah. Oh, sure. It didn't have the votes. And, and so, although that was the most logical place. And that's what everybody testified in committee on, that you got to hold them back early. But it's not dead. I was asked to roll it to next year because we will be working on another comprehensive bill in education, but this one's going to transition to mathematics. Oh. Well, Sheila, you know, the thing about this, you know, and we talked about this some last week, where you're going to see the benefit of, of this third-grade retention is about three to four years down the road. Yeah, that's get, correct. Get them on level. Yeah, and when you right. and, and when and when you see that, then 
passing the first grade thing is going to be a no-brainer. Correct. And so we think we'll get there. I think you'll see you'll see that first grade kindergarten retention aspect. That'll probably be included in a bill that we're going to work on over the summer, and we'll bring it back next year and go ahead and run the bill. They told me to roll it till the second calendar of next year to give them time to work on it. It'll still it'll still sit there and be ready to go in case we can't come up with an agreement. Um, and then lastly, um, I want to give credit to everybody who deserves it. The um, the um, abortion bill that we passed, the trigger bill and abortion bill we passed a while back in, in regards to Roe v. Wade, there were some legal um, uh, wording in there that could be confused by doctors to not give life-saving care to a, a woman during a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Something happened, accident, bleeding, you know, women know what I'm talking about. Um, eptopic pregnancies, things that could lead to the death of a woman that there's no viability there whatsoever. Doctors may hesitate doing it there because they could have been prosecuted. We switched that around a little bit that uh, that defines ex- exactly what would be a non-viable pregnancy. Good. Exactly. By definition in the law. So there is no vague there. There's only, there, I can't remember the two words, but one is eptopic. Um, Oh, Lord, I can't remember the other word. It's an M word. <laughs> I should know. Anyway, there's only two instances that a doctor can't perform an abortion because there is no viability. If you have an eptopic pregnancy, yeah. it's not happening. Yeah, no. It's not happening. So We just did some ref- necessary refinements. And, and that's all we did. Um, yeah. We still believe that um, uh, the, the, the abortions that we meant to stop will still be stopped. There will be no abortions in Tennessee. We know that we'll be saving children's lives. And if doctors go by the law as it's written, then um, no doctor should run afoul of the law because they will not be performing abortions. Mm-hmm. And we're still we're saving kids in Tennessee. Tennessee Right to Life helped write this amendment and fix this issue that the General Assembly on the initial one, we all told the Speaker, that it's not passing. We're not going backwards. And so they, they realized that. They, they adjusted this and put better restraints in place. And basically, Tennessee Right to Life was the one that wrote this amendment to make sure that we're still protecting the unborn. Good. So it was a good.